Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Would you like to begin this week with uh, like a kind of you know, casual fun start. Would you like to begin this week with uh, a passionate start, or would you like to begin this week with a spooky story? Um, is this part of the podcast? <laughs> it can be. Okay, <laughs> remind me of the options again. <laughs> like a nice casual, like you know, like a real laid back one. Uh, you could ha- also have a passionate start to the podcast. Or because it's uh, our first podcast coming out in October, uh, you can have a spooky story. Okay, can I can I have the casual? So so I would like the casual start because sure. this is a well, we don't know. have the spooky one there because this is um, a different time period for us. Normally, we are we are recording later than usual. Uh, it is it is dark outside, and I want to lean into the cool lounge vibes. But I would not uh, want to uh, take away from uh, my girlfriend's favorite season, which is spooky season. Uh, so so I would like both. I don't care about the sure. adrenaline one. <laughs> okay, no problem, no problem. I'll start with uh, the nice casual one, and then I'm, I'll move on to the spooky story. The nice casual one is Jamie. Uh, as as uh, friends of ours will probably know. Uh, two years ago on uh, New Year's Eve, uh, we made a series of predictions uh, about the following years. This was about 2019. Yeah. And one of which you made was that you would uh, stick to kind of a, a diet and that by, by New Year's the next year, within you the, the next year, you would hit a certain goal weight. And that inspired me, Jamie. You did so well with that. You inspired me for a project. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm meant to be coming back for the wedding of dear friends of ours, uh, Gath and Rosie. And uh, so I was going to start hashtag project get fit for Gath and Rosie's wedding. That was my intent. I'd, okay. I'd be coming back to the UK. I'd be fit. People would be like, oh, wow, I was in shape. And I'd be like, yes, hello. Uh, now, it's obviously, me, sexy up, Al. Yeah. Different now, from previous Al. Ooh, I used to be a trash bag, but now I'm a sexy trash bag. Uh... Obviously, coronavirus happened. Uh, either their wedding, I have Wait, heard what? nothing about their wedding since. So, I either they are married or they postponed it for logical uh, reasons. I, I believe they postponed it. Yes. Yeah, and uh, in the process, obviously, I I haven't been able to come back and be like, ah. Oh. So, so project hashtag get fit for Gareth and Rosie's wedding was put off. But I have decided, therefore, I must use this time to get swole. So okay. I'm, I'm asking something of you, Jamie, which is the next time uh, we are in a room together and see each other face to face, I want you just to punch me as hard as you can in the stomach. Okay? I need oh. you, I just want you to walk up and just hit me really hard in the stomach. Okay. that Just smack me right gosh down in the middle of the stomach. So just to be clear, I'm not allowed to say hello. Uh, I'm no. not allowed to hug you. At, at this point, we can only assume it will be uh, comfortably over a year. Uh, since I will have seen you, uh, yeah. the the immediate first thing I have to do is punch you in the stomach. 
Yeah, Jamie, it's really important to me. Uh, I need that motivation, all right? I need that motivation to have rock-hard fucking abs that when I first see you, you're going to come up and punch me in the stomach. And to be honest, one or two things needs to happen. One, either I break your hand with my rock-hard abs, or two, I die like Harry Houdini did when he got punched in the stomach. <laughs> Those are the two things, only two things I'm going to allow to happen, all right? Afterwards, then we may shake, I may shake your broken hand, because we will now respect each other as men, all right? Talk about okay. toxic masculinity, all right? This is healthy masculinity right here. I would like to pose a potential uh, and slightly more likely third scenario, which is I punch you in the stomach and you go, what the fuck, Jamie? Why did you just punch me in the stomach? I feel like that's the much higher likely outcome of this uh, terrible, terrible uh, promise you are making me make. However, uh, I will make that promise. And now, now that I've made such a... Uh, I mean, you know, what's what's scarier than uh, remaining loyal to your friends? Uh, so now we must enter into your spooky season intro, please. Once upon a time, in a land called America, there were two institutions, the oh. press and the White <laughs> House. And for a long time, they worked together in many ways, uncomfortably close. But then came along a president who didn't believe in the freedom of the press and liked to oppress what journalists talked about and guess which president that was jamie Ooh. okay i would like to say that prefacing this as a spooky intro when all it is is a regular just a regular series of sentences said in a spooky voice <laughs> does not count as an introduction to spooky season but you know what counts as an introduction to this podcast hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Alan Gillespie. Say hello, Al. You know what it is, Spooky? The fact that we'll never own property, Jamie. <laughs> um, before we get started, Al, uh, I do actually have a confession to make this week. Um, and, and it's a hard one to, for me to make. Um, before I start, I do have to ask, did you listen to last week's episode? Uh, I, I re-listened to the beginning bit so I could write down the uh, fun facts about our next podcast subject. Okay, um, so so you probably won't have got to um, something what I have, which I have to admit. Uh, now you know that I am the editor of this podcast, uh, and what you may know, but uh, many listeners may not, is occasionally. Uh, we have some Wi-Fi issues or or whatever, and we have to create an edit point. Um, in fact, <laughs> fun fact, listeners, uh, it's already happened in this episode. I bet you didn't notice it because I'm good at my job. Um, but last week, that happened. We had some Wi-Fi dropping, and so we uh, created an edit point, and then we tried to carry it on. Um, but when I went back to listen to it, when I cut out the bit that we uh, of us discussing the, the Wi-Fi going down... It didn't quite work. And so what I did, Alexander, was I, I took a clip of you laughing from another point in the podcast and I inserted it to smooth over the gap. So I inserted you laughing at one of my jokes, despite your actual real world reaction not being laughter to my joke. 
And now I have too much power, Alexander. It worked so well. It smoothed the gap incredibly. And now I have the power. I realize I can just make myself seem more funny than I ever may be. Dear listeners, anytime you hear Al laugh at one of my jokes in this podcast, you have no way of knowing whether he actually did that or whether it's me manipulating my own public image. So I do have to apologize. And you have to rein me in, Alexander. Now, Jamie, you say I have to rein you in. I, I feel like I need to give you five options for some clean laughs, okay? <laughs> okay? So I'm going to give you five clean okay. laughs, and then I might get, get throw in at the end a couple other reactions, okay? So I'll give you okay. four laughs. Ha 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 ha! Jamie! Hmm. Yeah. Ho ho ho! Mary Podmus! <laughs> That's my coy one. Uh, okay. And then for some other reactions. Some just uh, wild tracks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie? <laughs> mm, I think that may be problematic. <laughs> Tom no, Hanks? I think we'll <laughs> get a very a lot of use out of that problematic one. I don't know how much use I'm going to get out of the ho 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 podmus. Thank you very much for making my life so much easier because, of course, what I want to do with this podcast is spend more time editing it. <laughs> that's that's ultimately going to be my downfall. I'm never going to be uh, portrayed to be as funny as I think I deserve to be because I'm too lazy to edit in the laughs. Oh, dear Alexander, do you have anything for us to talk about before we just plow into the structure of this podcast? Oh, I was going to ask, how was your week, Jamie? How was my week? Um... Did I do anything interesting this week? Not particularly. I I uh, met with a fan of the podcast. Uh, she, she's also just a Jesus friend. <laughs> she's just right. a friend. Um, uh, but uh, I would like to reveal, therefore, that um, two people now have uh, successfully guessed who um, who our sequel podcast uh, subject may be. We'll get more into that in a minute. Um, but yes, I I I, I did very. I would like to again apologize. Uh, I very silly um, did just tell this person they were correct. I know we we committed that we weren't going to tell the people they were correct, but there is there is now one person outside of uh, us two uh, and I su- I assume my our respective my partners. Your flat. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, wow. Podcast. Clearly, clearly, clearly someone else has been flagrantly Hanks. breaking She's the rules. She's never seen the Tom Hanks movie, so she doesn't listen to the podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> Kick her out your house. Kick her out your house. I mean, look, I I too believe in kicking Canadian doctors out of homes, all right? Canadian doctors (laughs) should be homeless. That's how I feel. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, your your new... um, uh, Charity, I hear, is uh, Médecins Sans Maison, right? (laughs) 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 I would like it. I would... I would like it known. I would like it known that that was not an edited response. That was a real response, and I'm very happy with it. That's the best joke you've actually ever. Like, I know that no one else will find that funny, but I genuinely think that's the funniest joke you've done on this podcast. Thank you very much. On that, we 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 cannot revel in my uh, my joys too much. We must move on to the structure of this podcast. Oh, sorry. Well, actually, I should probably ask how how was your week. Sorry, that was very rude of me. How was your uh, week, Alexander? Do you have any jokes yeah. as good as that? 
No, no. You know what, Jamie? Look, let's let's end on a high note, all right? End on my uh, it's problematic bit, and then we'll move on, all right? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll quickly, I'll cut, I'll cut from there. It's problematic. Just cut everything else. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So people who have uh, listened to this podcast before know uh, that, of course, we are the show that chronologically reviews Tom Hanks' entire MDB. We say that every single week, but that's not all that we do here. There are, of course, aliens. Uh, aliens have invaded Earth and they want us to join the United States of Space. Uh, there's a lot going on here. You know, there's a planet called Flomatron 8. Uh, they are leaving the United States of Space through a process called Flexit. Their uh, small boy, bitch boy leader, uh, Trevor Tramron, uh, did that by flexing his guns and saying, we out, bitches. There's so many more details I could include. But simply put, we Jamie, need to replace... Jamie. Yes? Jamie, it is spooky ween... And therefore, you are legally required to to mention that Tom Hanks is possessed by the ghost of Warren G. Harding. I just need to let you know that, okay? It's got of to course, thank, thank, thank you for keeping me in check with Spooky Season. Um, allegedly, Tom Hanks is possessed by the ghost of Warren G. Harding. And completely irrelevant to that, they're aliens. We're trying to replace the Flamatronic in the United States of space. You know, all, all that stuff. And, and of course, the key, the key piece of information is yeah. if we do fail, uh, they will blow us all up. And, and that I murdered a load, bunch of yes, baby yes. That's spooky too. And that yes. you resurrected okay. them. That's okay. spooky. That works is it spooky for either that Halloween I resurrected or them? for Easter. Resurrection works for both. All right? Okay. Uh, I think our... Our Halloween episode this year is going to be on Greyhound. <laughs> like it's not like we we very much commit to never actually having Halloween episodes no. near Halloween. We've done a, a um a we've done many scary movies nowhere near Halloween. We did um uh David S Pumpkins in like February. Oh. Uh, I I would rather commit to not doing anything spooky season because we commit to spooky season everywhere except for during spooky season. Anyway, dear Alexander, of course, there are aliens, blah, blah, blah. But they recently told us that perhaps Tom Hanks isn't cutting it. Very rude, I know, but they've been watching the films we've been showing them. And they're not convinced. So we they have said we must come up with a sequel podcast. And so we've been giving clues uh, week on week for who that sequel may be about. Uh, to recap my clues, of course, uh, some of them, not maybe not all of them, because I don't know if I remember all of them. It's like seven at this point. Um, this person has never had a name that's been in the top 50 most popular names in the United States. This person... Um, has appeared in a superhero movie. This person has appeared in a musical. Uh, this person has a connection to Shakespeare. I will let people know that that is in fact the the specific clue that has got most people to correctly guess uh, this this person. Um, who? Uh, what? What else have I got? What else have I got, Alexander? I need you to. I, I need help here. Not been in a film with Tom Hanks. The name. Was Not been, been in, in a film the top one hundred names. Already said that. But yes, not been in a film with Tom Hanks. Um, yep, said that. <sighs> I think you're okay. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, think that, yeah, that's that, Go that, back that's and, guys. There is yeah, never a bad time to download all our go. past episodes and listen Absolutely. to all of them. All right. Thank you. Thank the you for saving me, Alexander. The are there from the beginning. Thank you for saving me, Alexander. Um, could you please recap your clues? I can. Uh, first of all, and maybe the biggest clue of them all, uh, this person is known for being uh, fifty over 50 feet tall and being able to breathe radioactive fire. Blue radioactive fire. So that's very important. Uh, 
two, uh, they were present when Dick Cheney shot that guy. Uh, three, uh, they allegedly allegedly had an affair with Mohammed bin Salman, the prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, four, uh, yeah, they had were the spokesperson for the AK forty seven for a while uh, at trade shows. Uh, six, they were caught in uh, West Hollywood once soliciting prostitutes, allegedly. <laughs> Uh, five, uh, they were there on the Access Hollywood bus taking a shit while Donald Trump, uh, was having the conversation that would end up being the Access Hollywood tape. Uh, seven, uh, they reached number 53 on the Billboard Top 100 country music charts. Of course. Okay. I, I, did you say number three last time? I, I believe you just said that they made it to the top no, 100. No, no, number 53. They made it to oh, 53. 53 on the oh, Top 100 okay. country music charts. Um... Thank you very much, Alexander. All very useful clues. And I'm sure uh, the reason why we've had two people correctly guess um, who this person is. Uh, my clue this week, um, I had, and then it's completely gone out of my brain. I've remembered it. Um, my clue this week is that the first film we will be watching uh, on this person's IMDb will require us to go back and shill for Disney once more, as it will be on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. So get excited for that first episode, where once again I will return to being uh, Disney Plus's biggest fan uh, and completely forget that I completely denigrated the entire Disney Corporation in our Saving Mr. Banks episode. Alexander, what is your clue this week? So I'm, I'm, I'm setting the scene appropriately. Uh, of course, uh, my clue this week was that this person uh, last kind of November, uh, early December, uh, fell uh, under the weather after they ate a live bat. Okay. I, th- I think I might know who it is. Should I guess? Sure. I think it's Sharon Osbourne. Sharon Osbourne? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very famously, 30 years after her husband did it, she was like, okay, maybe I should try this out. <laughs> um, so, of course, if you do uh, think you know who this person is, uh, you actually only have one more week. Next week, we are going to reveal the identity of this person. So, uh, as we have famously said, now that multiple people have guessed who this person is, if you haven't guessed yet, yet, then you are a big dum-dum. So you have one more week to message us through any uh, means you find necessary, carry a pigeon, whatever you uh, think, uh, to prove yourself not a big dum-dum. But of course, uh, if you do guess it correctly, we will not tell you, stop ruining the fun. Now, Alexander, we must plough forward into this week's film, The Post. The people who have uh, listened to this podcast before will know that we normally give a little bit of historical context and a little bit of film context. We tell you a little bit about what was going on in the world at the time of this film coming out, and then we give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes fun about the podcast. Podcast, film, whatever. It's it's Lucy. You know, it's 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 late night grooves, Alexander. That's what's going on here, and sometimes we misspeak. That's fine. You know, we have to accept that. That's the vibe when we're recording at 8 p.m. in the evening. It, it's very interesting because when we first started recording the podcast for a couple of years, we would tend to record it uh, like after work at like 7 p.m. to sometimes even 9 p.m. on like a Sunday, not a Sunday, on a weekday. Yeah. We were very tired. And then this shifted radically to recording full 30 your time and 8.30 in the morning my time. <laughs> so I always had sleepy vibes for the last like 30 of these. Uh, and, you and, know, now, and now, now you've Jamie, finally been on the other foot. Now, yes, now yes. I am the one who is wide awake. 
Yes, I'm at the end of a very long week, um, oh. but I will power through for the post. Um, so yes, we'll give you a little bit of historical context and a little bit of filmed context. Uh, it is my chance this week to give a little bit of historical context. Of course, last week, uh, our film also came out in the year 2017. Uh, and so you covered from January up to April. And it was my job to cover the rest of the year. However, Alexander, something radical may be about to happen. Because I I, I started looking into uh, the year 2017. Of course, a year that both me, you, and many people in this podcast will probably remember. And we could argue that a big reason why we started the historical context section was exclusively to let people know what was going on in a year which they may not remember it maybe before they were born or in their early life um but most people listening to this podcast i would hope uh have cognizant memories of the year 2017 um and if you cast your mind back to the year 2017 it's not a good year um i i started looking into it the first three things i saw were two terrorist attacks and grenfell tower uh and then following by that it was uh, the 2017 election where the Conservatives uh, gave away like £10 billion to the DUP uh, in exchange for their soul. And I decided I agree with you from about episode four that history is bad. History is yeah. bad. We should not yeah. remember it. No. Bad things happened every single year. But I would argue that bad things mostly happened from the year 2016 until 2020. And so with that, Alexander... I think we should get rid of the historical context section. Holy shit. Right. Okay. Ja- what the shit? Jamie? Jamie, you son of a... Oh. <laughs> right. Look. Two things. One, I agree for the, the next podcast. We don't want to go over time we've already gone over. So the next version of whatever Hank's Bank becomes, we cut out the historical context. Yeah. my dear man... <laughs> Look, there's some there are some fun things in the year 2017. I believe um, I, Horizon I, Zero I would Dawn not know comes Alexander. Out, I stopped. I stopped out. looking them up. <laughs> Breath of the Wild <laughs> came out, Jamie. Some great video games. Obviously, the post came out. Some fun times. Uh, other fun things include. Are you just using your own memory for this at this point? Yeah, well, I remember the Switch. You know what else? I graduated university. That was fun. Ah, oh, such fun, such fun. Many more of your friends came down to London, Jamie. Beforehand, it was yeah, just and the then they all left again. <laughs> and then they came down. Then they all left. But you know, there are other ones there now. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, it was not my job look, to look thank, up. April. I know, I know, it wasn't. Thank you for filling in as best as you can, Alexander. But I refuse to accept the existence of the year 2017. Look, if in next episode you would like to reinstate the historical context, you are welcome to do that. But I am making a stand. I believe that the year 2017 was bad and most years since 2016 were all bad and that rehearing them would be a traumatic... No, 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 I would argue, I would argue, I would argue, I would argue two things. Firstly, that these years are worse than most. And secondly, that people who are listening to our podcast uh, are more cognizant of how bad these years are and thus would probably not like to relive them. I would argue that we have a negative news bias and also people in the UK 
tend to in uh, there was bad news in the UK. Don't get me wrong, but that we tend to internalize bad news from America as bad news which applies to us. And while it does apply to international affairs to some extent, the full exact not full exaggeration, but the full extent to which those things directly matter to us are of debate to the exact scale of. I would fully agree with you on that point. However, the four things I brought up all happened in the UK. <laughs> the four wait, things wait, I said, the two terrorists, the Grenfell, the two terrorist attacks. I mean, look, some people are happy. Some <laughs> okay. of them, some of them, not all of them, but some of them. The ones who like paramilitaries. Uh, what else? And then two, two terrorist people. attacks. There was one in London Bridge and one somewhere else in London. I cannot remember where. Look, because look. because that's how fucking horrible life is. I'm not going to make any jokes about terrorism because that's going to go poorly. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, see, dominated with facts. 2017 because there'll be some good... No, no, I beg you, I beg you, Alexander, half of the no, reason no, to do no, this is no, because no, 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 no. we are recording at right. eight o'clock and uh, I kind of wanted to get through this there quicker. There was a Philadelphia man who gave free haircuts to the homeless and he got a barbershop <laughs> of his own for a complete stranger. That's I'm really glad that our listeners now uh, will uh, put uh, themselves uh, back uh, in the memory of when that Philadelphia man... That's also a terrorist attack, that's not good news, that's not good news, that's a terrorist attack. There was a giraffe that gave birth. To another giraffe. There was only one giraffe. See how bad that is? There was only that's, one giraffe that came back. I say this good news thing involves two things about victims of terror attacks, which I guess sure, but also not that great news, because the terror attacks happened. Uh the other one is the wife of a fallen soldier tracked down the owner of her husband's old car to buy and give it as a gift to her son for his 16th birthday. That's a sad story, really. See, I would died. I would like to Point. I mean, therefore, oh, oh my God, point proven. Georgia man displays a photo on the table while eating lunch to honor his late wife. His wife is dead. That's not a happy story. <laughs> I would like to thank you. Do you see they how warped people really were in 2017? They were like anything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Give up. Jamie, we, Jamie, the only Jamie. way we can express happiness is through Pro- a tinge, problems, through the lens of sadness. Problem solved. A U.S. Marine surprises his mother with a trip home. All right, that's what I'm talking about. He's not dead. His mum's not dead. All right, that's the kind of stuff we should be focusing on. Okay, thank you very much. Behind the U.S. Marine Corps, except for the people in countries where the U.S. Marine Corps has done terrible things. Um, Thank you very much. Oh, (laughs) thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alexander. Can you please tell me some more information about the post? (laughs) <laughs> all right so first of all let's give a wee description of the post all right yes think back uh it's to the nixon era that's right oh yeah it's time for a little bad boy because mi- called mr richard nixon that's right tricky dicky you might remember him for that ter- first time there was a televised uh debate in the u.s presidential election well jamie i guess this is a relevant film and uh he got too sweaty and therefore lost to jack kennedy but don't worry he won the third time round. all right he, he ran three times won in his third time round tricky dicky beat uh not eisenhower i can't even remember who he beat oh, that's not good i want to say i mean i mean i know nothing as will become clear as will become clear when we go over this spot this film i know very little about american politics anyway the, the, the overarching plot summary is uh, meryl streep owns the washington post you might remember the washington post is that thing now owned by jeff bezos ha billionaires they're so fun uh tom hanks plays the head of the newsroom uh who likes the news and doesn't like the nixon administration nixon he's bad vietnam is a war america is still in what's it like to be in an endless war i don't know uh ooh, yeah, afghanistan anyway, alexander uh, no, this no, 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 no. the point of this bit is papers, to do a very brief summary okay, of sure. the book there are the some film. papers which were looked into by the government 
which say, hey, we were never going to win in Vietnam. We aren't going to win in Vietnam. We just really don't want to lose a war. So let's keep fighting. Let a lot of people die. We'll continue the draft and let a lot of people die, including our own kids. That's bad. Uh, and it's about people trying to publish that. That's the short summary of the post. We'll get into a lot of Interesting later. fucking There'll use of the word short, Alexander. Uh, of course, uh, fun facts about this film, Jamie. This is a fun fact. This was shot uh, in the middle of uh, Steven Spielberg shooting Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, which is a fun time. I believe it was the same kind of thing as what happened when Schindler's List, for example, was shot in between while filming Jurassic Park. Yeah. And you might ask yourself, how is that possible? And that's because effects take a long time sometimes. And sometimes <laughs> uh, big effects movies take a really long time to make. Uh, whereas films about the Holocaust and films about uh, the post, you can shoot pretty quick. Uh, so that was a fun fact. It was written by, uh, the original script was written by Liz ha- Hanna that was won in a bidding contest by Amy Pascal. Um, I'm trying to think of any other fun facts about it. Basically, it's known for being uh, pretty historically slightly dodgy. Uh, yeah, it, it yeah we, 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 we will get into that. Times <laughs> in the Pentagon Papers quite a bit. Quite a bit. Uh, in a way, it's very fun. Uh, it costs about $50 million uh, to make. Uh, it made about $179 million back worldwide and about $81 million uh, in the US. So it did okay. You know, not insanely well, but also not poorly at all. Uh, it made its money back definitely in the US and, and some, and then also did pretty well over, everywhere. Uh, it has a runtime of 160 minutes. Uh, it stars... It, the cast is great. Uh, oh, the cast the, is insane. It, it stars Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Sarah Paulson, Bob Odenick, uh, Bradley Whitford, who uh, star of your favorite TV, your current TV show, uh, yes, Matthew Westway, Reese, yeah. Alison Brie, Jesse Plemons, God, I love him. He's in all stuff. Carrie Coon. Uh, that's about everyone whose name I recognize. Good cast. Uh, yeah, I think those are some fun facts, Jamie. Maybe I don't believe in movie facts. All right, maybe I don't believe in facts about movies. I think they're made up by Jesus. Ooh, uh, if it's not in the Bible, Jamie, I don't believe it as a movie fact. All those facts were in the Bible. Ooh, uh, I'm Look, a Seventh-day uh, 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 movie eventionist. All movies were made seven days ago. <laughs> Alexander. Look, I, I don't want to delay this podcast anymore because we're already half an hour in and not talking about the film yet. But, and and I will fully accept that in the past, I have also clear, clearly just got all my information from Wikipedia. <laughs> but when when halfway through, you go, uh, what else? It's got running time of 116 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you can not make it less of you. You're just Jamie, reading Jamie. from the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> and not even the wikipedia just fun- just the just the one table down the right hand side <laughs> more fool you jamie i read that off imdb <laughs> of course right. our, our prime source <laughs> uh oh jamie uh sorry uh let me put a bit of bread on that because you got egg on your face oh shit oh right, shit uh, let's talk about um, this movie no there's it sorry there was begins Wait, there is there is one more. The original yeah. writer you uh, mentioned, I cannot remember the name of the person who did the rewrite, but the person who did the rewrite, who I think is credited as the co-writer, um, also wrote Spotlight and was also a staff writer on the aforementioned West Wing, uh, which I think comes through quite clearly. Um, yeah. Let's, let's and, some yeah. stuff too. Um, I believe she also wrote uh, the... 
movie. Oh, Christ, was it? The Long Shot, which was the um, uh, Catherine, uh, Charlize Theron and uh, Seth Rogen uh, comedy about... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...for a presidential campaign. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, of course, Seth we've Rogen got... Seth the chubby guy she falls in love with. Yeah. And, of course, we've got Spielberg directing again with Tom Hanks for his fifth film, I think. Fifth film? Fifth film. Yes. Uh, what, so, Same Pirate Ryan... Um, Catch me if you can. Uh, the terminal. Can. The terminal. Oh yeah, yeah, and then Bridge of Spies in this. Yeah, I think fifth. Yes. So fifth film and John John Williams doing uh, the music again because it's a Spielberg film. So of course. Um, right now, now you may get into your favourite part of the show. Of course. This movie begins as all good films do in Vietnam. That's right, guys. This is your daddy's war. If you're American and your father served in combat, I don't ask because it'd be a weird thing to ask about. I don't think my dad ever fought in combat, so it'd be a weird thing to talk about, you know? Uh, the I'm, draft, I'm almost certain bad. my dad did not. <laughs> I, I'm glad your dad didn't fight in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, some American soldiers are camoing up. Uh, you know, they're putting on some green on the face. They, they, they're putting on some makeup on. Uh, you know, it's not girly when you're doing it to murder people, guys. That's the important part uh, this film wants you to know. Uh, they then proceed. There is uh, Matthew Reese there. He has a typewriter. That's right, guys. He's a big old typewriter boy. And he's here to observe the war in Vietnam. He gets back on a plane uh, to America. And he is there with uh, not Eisenhower. He's not there with Kissinger. He's it's it's with, the the, uh, the guy's chief of staff. Yeah, it's the guy's chief of staff, isn't it? Or the, no, 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 the Secretary of State. Uh, I can't remember if McNamara was. Yeah, he's the Secretary of State. So he's basically head of. If you're a British, uh, the, the 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 Minister of Foreign Affairs. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's there to look after I... international stuff. Why is it called state? Uh, who knows? You know, it's a dumb name. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. It's Secretary of State back in the UK. It's the Minister of, of uh, the Minister of State is. Um, oh, I, I don't be I, like the... domestic stuff. Yeah, something like that. So um, before we move on, the State Secretary. Yeah, before we move on too much, I just want to uh, hone in on the typewriter thing. Now, famously, uh, we do know that Tom Hanks uh, does love typewriters. And there's a lot of typewriters in this film. And I I do recognize that, of course, it makes sense for the subject matter. But do you think that it was a rider in Tom Hanks' contract that that in the first, like, 20 seconds of this film, there has to be five seconds dedicated to just filming a typewriter? Jamie, uh, you sit there and, uh, you know, you ask this question. I mean, we know, of course, that there was a rewrite on this film only 10 days before filming specifically because this Tom Hanks got the final draft of the script and he went where the fuck is the typewriter in this and they went well look there's one on page 60 and he's like 60 who am I oh I'm, do, do I look like Daryl Hannah to you no alright I'm Tom fucking Hanks put yeah. bloody typewriter page on page one or nothing yeah, monster, bitches really. lovely but um, so of course uh, this man uh, yeah he's on, he's on the plane with um, the, the Secretary of State uh, McNamara and McNamara is like look you're on the ground. Tell us, are things getting better or are they getting worse? And McNamara and and this journalist just goes, uh, the most distinct thing I would recognise is they're exactly the same. And then McNamara goes, well, you know what? If we're putting a hundred thousand more of our boys on the fucking front lines and they're exactly the same, then I would say that's worse. And then he storms the fuck out. Sure. Um, uh, very quickly, and so he's not a journalist. Yep. Is he not? A, not so a yeah, what is? 
What is he? he he's, I believe he's working for a think tank. Um, he is a he's there as an observer. Um, so he is. We will find out a little bit more about this later. But he's working for a think tank, basically, to observe the Vietnam War. Okay. Um, thank you for that clarification. So this guy um, in this film that is not historically accurate. Um, this guy uh, goes back and. You you will have to clarify this for me a little bit, but basically he uh, when he's sorting through some files in somewhere. Um, oh no! no. A, a very, so very quickly, yeah. um, once they get off the he storms off the plane, but then McNamara gives a McNamara is the guy saying, "Well, if it's not getting better and it's not getting worse, then it's it is getting worse if it's staying exactly the same." Goes outside, talks to the press, and says, uh, "We're going to win." You know, it's made a really big difference. Everything is changing in Vietnam, and you know, America is great. So he's going out and he's he's lying to the American people, despite the fact that he personally believes that if it's staying the same, it's getting worse. He's going out and he's lying to the American people, and that is an important thing. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Matthew Reese goes back to um, his kind of office uh, in the states. He's going through all these files. Uh, he's shoving them in his briefcase and he's kind of walking out the door with them. That's right, Jamie. He's about to commit a crime. Yep. So he finds uh, some document that just says, Top secret Vietnam super special secret plans. Please don't steal us. Um, and then he takes them back to his offices um, and starts uh, copying them. We get a little montage of like clips of... Uh, various different presidents talking about the Vietnam War and saying it's going great, interspersed with him finding uh, things in this report saying that the president secretly saw it, thought it wasn't going that well. Um, that's a little montage. And then we cut to Washington, D.C. in 1971. Uh, 1971? I think that's correct. Have I got it? Have I got a history right? Did I remember a history correctly, Alexander? Um Unlikely. Something like 1971. And we see Meryl Streep. Uh, she's having a restless night because her dear, beloved newspaper, The Washington Post, is about to go public. They have realised that they don't have uh, enough funds from uh, the way they are currently financing themselves, so they are about to go public. Uh, and she is very stressed about how that's going to go. She's going through a, um, uh, a little mock questioning with one of her aides um i yeah. i never quite established he, who who this guy is um i, I believe but he's, he's either the family's lawyer or he's like one of the the family's closest advisors right so yeah. it's he's the imagine him as the consigliere he is the the tom hagen of uh this family uh she's basically going to go and present to the board right so she's they yeah. talk to the bankers they've they know that the uh price share price is going to be set between I think twenty four thirty and twenty seven fifty dollars, with you know the, it, it depending on uh, the range depending on uh, things here and there, um, and she, in this kind of preparation she wants to go over the numbers again. She's a little bit uncertain with them. The the guy is helping coach her. She's kind of trying to sound confident. All makes sense, and she goes to the board pitch room, and uh, in the pitch, um, she kind of flubs it. Right, she's sitting there. Yeah. Bradley Whitford's there, and Bradley Whitford. I mean, got to take a second to talk about this. Just in the villain phase of his career. Yeah. Bradley so he, we we also saw him in uh, Saving Mr. Banks, um, uh, looking very similar to he, as as he is now. Um, but no, he is he is very much uh, now transitioning, as you say, into the villain uh, portion of his career. But like that that like 
not out and out villain just the the like businessman who's slightly opposed to the main character it's a very common um, role that uh, we see many people play two things uh one brooklyn 99 he's kind of a villain there yeah uh, and two jamie a, a little movie uh called get out i i don't want to spoil it for people uh <laughs> but if you haven't seen it he's not exactly a good guy all right yes but, def- but i would he's, i would he's, argue he's in kind all of those... an out and out villain in that one i but again, like, get out. Okay, no, 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 no. So yes, of course, of course, of course, villain, bad. <laughs> not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with that. Of course, bad man. Um, but my point is, um, he presents himself in that like for the first three quarters of the film. Like okay. the idea is that he's like a nice, presentable man, and then oh, what? Oh, he's actually bad. Who would have guessed that of the white man in this film? <laughs> um, Bradley anyway. Whitford plays like civilized white people who are bad people. Um, yes, that, like that's his his role is to be like represent the white patriarchy. Um, yeah, in like um, most things he's in. So um, uh, around the same time as this um, uh, board meeting, in which, as you say, she she flubs it. She gets a little bit too nervous to say well, the things yeah. she said to her lawyer, and the lawyer he's just says and, them for uh, her. And it's important to remember, obviously, this is the 70s and she's she's male, she's an older woman. You know, it's, it's this is an entirely all-male environment, right? She's yes. She's the only woman there. She she knows the answers to these things and she kind of says them a little bit under her breath, but she she doesn't really have the confidence to own this. Uh, Meryl Streep, obviously, is playing the publisher of the New York Times. She owns the... Uh, not the New York Times, sorry, the Washington Post. She owns the uh, media conglomerate which of which the, the Post is contained within. There are other parts of the conglomerate that the bank is like more, uh, more specifically kind of papers that have monopolies in their local markets, whereas the Post is a paper that is trying to become an, a national paper, but at the time was yeah. just a local paper for the state. It was important yeah. maybe to politicians, but it wasn't important to... Uh, wasn't imp- important to kind of people in new york yeah. for instance whereas the new but, york but times the kind of biggest competitor was read across the country yeah but their big argument is that quality will improve profitability that's their argument to the bankers that yeah. if we make our paper better it will sell better um it is around this time that we meet tom hank oh, oh, oh dear oh dear boy tom hanks alexander the the the, the, the whole oh, the whole man. reason for this podcast and he is playing the editor Jamie of Lewis. the washington post oh boy I know. I know. Recently, we talked uh, about Tom Hanks uh, getting sexier and sexier in movies. The older he gets, but this may be the sexiest Tom Hanks has been in a film for a while. Uh, you know what? As it turns I, out, you Tom say Hanks you say for a, a while. As a, as I a, can't remember which film it was. Oh, Literally within the last oh. like two or three credits, you said this is the sexiest Tom Hanks has ever been. Oh no! I know. It was literally the circle. The the last film we talked yes, about. Yes, the last, the, the last film. Jamie, so what do you mean in, for a we, while? No. I am sorry, Jamie, but you know what? You know what? You sit there and you're like, I don't like talking about history in the year 2017. But you fail to mention the fact that clearly Tom Hanks is the sexiest man in the world in 2017, <laughs> all right? Because he is just hitting it out of the park in this movie. As it turns out, gruff, you know, paper man who believes in the freedom of the press and justice yeah. is my kink. Uh, Look, just, just stick a little bit of a gruff really voice and like a touch of, I think, like a... Bostony, New Englandy accent, and oh boy, it gets my ghiblies rumbling. Um, and so oh, Alexander, yeah. of course, uh, dear uh, Tom Hanks, he's noticed that the um, one of the New York Times reporters—I can't remember his fucking name—but one of them um, hasn't reported in a while, and he mentions that to Meryl Streep. He's like, "Oh, I haven't seen him for a while. He's the guy that covers Vietnam." Hmm. I uh, I think 
I think he's got something big. I think he's got something big brewing. Um, and so he goes back to his edit room uh, where he meets uh, Bob Odenkirk, oh, who uh, you uh, previously met. Yep. One sec, sorry, I just want to quickly... I do think we need to set up the relationship here between um, Streep and Hanks. Streep has recently hired Tom Hanks uh, uh, in the last year or two to kind of take over the newsroom of the Post. Um, There is a begrudging respect between the two, but obviously it is a tense relationship right there. Uh, Recently, for instance, um, the Post has been denied access to... uh, I think it's Connie uh, Nixon's wedding, so one of Nixon's daughter's weddings, because uh, they crashed his other daughter's wedding... And uh, as such, they aren't getting exposure, which they feel they need. Uh, Tom Hanks is going, well, screw Nixon. Uh, Nixon's terrible. And, you know, Meryl Streep is correctly pointing out that it would be good to talk about this kind of stuff in a lifestyle section because people are interested in this thing. Uh, Tom Hanks says, get your finger out of my eye. All right. Just don't put your finger in my eye, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is like, whoa, just, you know, just take a chill pill, Tom Hanks. All right. Just take a breather. All right. Just take a sec. It's going to be okay. And then, yet, yeah, as you said, he goes across to Bob Odenick. Uh, Odenkirk. Um, but yes. Um, Bob Odenkirk, people who will know from know. Better Call Bob. Saul, of course. Um, and uh, he's also got... No, there, no. Jamie. There's... Jamie. Yes. So, yes. You solely know... Yes, I only know him from Little Women, where he comes and goes, My Little Women. <laughs> okay. My Little Women. Okay, thank you. My Little Women. We, we are absolutely... Little... <laughs> They are only absolute... two inches tall. Little women. Alexander, we are absolutely not 45 minutes into this podcast and 10 minutes into the film. Sorry, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Bob Odenkirk, people know from uh, Better Call Saul and Little Women. Um, another member of uh, the staff is David Cross, uh, who people might know as playing Tobias from Arrested Development. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a weird number of, like, comedy people in this film Alison Brie also appears in this film as does um oh, I'm forgetting his name but he plays Jared in um uh in Silicon Valley and um and the nerdy guy um, from the office but anyway there's there's yeah. a weird there's a weird number not of Thomas like Middleton, comedy people though. appearing in this yes not Thomas Meadowditch the other guy the, the tall lanky guy anyway there's Jesse um, Pinton, who is Clemens uh, just get name. people's names right please <laughs> Jesse Plemons. We saw him in Bridge of We saw him in Bridge of Spies, and he's also been in Fargo and Breaking Bad. Aren't actors in other things? He was also in Game Night, which is a very fun comedy. I like Game Night. Game Night was a great time. But the women, they are not. They are not. Right. So Tom Hanks is back in his uh, newsroom. Oh my god! (laughs) Yes, what? In what? Alexander, what is your fucking question? How little are the women? This is very important. How little are the women? i mean it's it's kind of the point of the film that they're pretty small it's it's a it's a big plot point anyway so he's back in, in his the post. Uh, good, all, good. all right good to know the post yeah yeah um <laughs> tom hanks is back in his newsroom of course it's all white men anyway um so he basically just goes hey guys have you noticed that whoa, this whoa, whoa, this woman. oh that my god oh my god do not erase the woman who is there and got banned from the wedding, all right? She's investigating wedding news, I think. She's the lifestyle person? I don't know. Something like that. Um, okay. They go talk to the intern. She's not little. She's normal height. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they, they know that something is happening. They go to an intern and go, hey, intern, here's 40 bucks. Take And apparently they train from Washington, D.C. to 
New York and back only cost 40 bucks. Get a receipt. Yeah. Uh, but they go, just go into the New York Times and just spy on them. You know? Just, yeah, just see what's going on. Just like, like, hey, intern, go and figure out what the New York Times is reporting on. Like, don't say who you are. Like, he's just going to rock up and go, hey, guys, I'm the new reporter. Hey, what you been working on over there? Could you tell me, please? That would be real kind. Um, but actually that's kind of what happens. He just looks over someone's fucking shoulder in the fucking elevator and figures everything out. Um, so, uh, we get a clip of, um, Meryl Streep's back at her house and she's having a dinner party, uh, with McNamara, the secretary of state, um, which is a sort of plot point that vaguely gets, um, not even vaguely get, gets explored later that, uh, some of these older members of the journalism, as you mentioned, uh, in your spooky intro, um, were much more buddy buddy with members of the government, uh, and so McNamara pulls um, uh, May aside, Meryl Streep, and says like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> so, so the New York Times is about to run like some some pretty bad stuff about me. I'm like broken many laws. It's fine. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. But like, oh, that would be. <laughs> I just letting you know." Um, and at the same time, the, uh, intern is, as we say, just looking over someone's shoulder in an elevator, uh, where they are holding the, um, the mock-up of the front page of the New York Times. Um, he goes back to, um, Washington, uh, Tom Hanks at the office goes like, Hey, what did you find out? And he's like, um, all I saw was the mock-up of the Times. There was a big blank thing saying Neil, uh, which I believe is McNamara's first name, right? Is that not the thing of it? Is that... Am what I wrong? That, the, saying... that Neil... That it just says Neil and that's McNamara. That's the Secretary of State's first name, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that, right. yeah that, that... Wait, were you saying Neil McNamara? I was saying Neil. That's what... I'm fairly sure that's what anyway. it says on the front page. I'm fairly sure that's what Sorry, it says. Jamie, it says. I just want to... I just want to okay. stop for a second as okay. uh, you insulted really my naming abilities nay, five minutes ago. But uh, now you're forgetting you're forgetting the name of Robert McNamara, an American hero. All right. Okay, but no, but I'm I'm fairly sure. In fact, I'm almost one hundred percent that the intern says that the big blank space on the front page said Neil. That is correct. So I don't know who that Neil okay. refers to if it no, no, doesn't no. refer to McNamara. Not, no, no, no. Neil refers to the journalist. That's the journalists. Okay. Um, okay. That. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's Thank you. Sent to go and look at the stuff. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Um, together, we managed to together we figured it out. a believable explanation of the film. Yeah. Um, uh, and so Tom Hanks morning, and yeah, no, like, not even the next morning. I think it's that that day they like run out the run out of the office and like buy a bunch of newspapers on the streets, being like, "Hey, no, here's money. Look, they're like delivering them at like four o'clock in the morning. Like, we need to read this." Um, and then and then they do the classic thing where where and this happens a this happens a lot in this film of people reading in a way that no one reads they like they like pick up the newspaper and they're flicking through it really quickly and like oh fuck i'm i'm intaking all of this information immediately aren't i amazing um but so they realized that yes yes neither of us gone to journalism school but as you know you can't read so i'm not sure i mean i can't read trust your ability to (laughs) judge people's reading speeds uh, but basically, yeah, oh, the New man. York Times so, yeah, has, has dropped through. this story. The Pentagon Papers. Uh, they, the yeah. story basically is uh, that the 
U.S. government had known for a very long time that the war was unwinnable, and because America uh, didn't want to lose a war, they were just going to continue to send, uh, you know, yeah. American boys to go and die. Yeah. Um, and and very keenly, they, they were still in. Yeah. Kids too. Yeah. And Commit very keenly, they were still in the Vietnam War at this point. Like when this paper was released, there were they were still actively on the ground in Vietnam. Um, and so Tom Hanks is like, uh, look, we, we need to, we need, look, fuck the New York Times. We need to do some reporting. So people go and get on the ground. And, and Bob Odenkirk says, hey, I reckon I might know someone. Um, and he goes, cool, go do that. Uh, Tom Hanks goes, okay, I'm going to go and get my own source. And he goes and meets with Meryl Streep, who's been having a chat with her daughter, played by Alison yeah. Brie. Um, uh, and uh, he's just like, look. This study was uh, completely uh, was was ordered by your friend McNamara. Is it possible that he might have a copy? You are the head of the fucking Washington Post. Maybe we would like a copy of that. Um, and and she's like, hey, no, he's a, he's a friend. Like, leave him alone. He's having a tough no, but, time. But, he's committed war no, crimes. No, leave him alone. No, no. So 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 very specifically, it is that uh, he has committed. Uh, uh, he's maybe not committed uh, war crimes. Very specifically, but, is that yeah. Rob, no, no no well sure, but like anyone working in the U.S. government is is anyone working in pretty much any government is also like you could make a decent case for committing war crimes, but uh, no, no in like foreign. Anyway, uh, <laughs> specific, specifically, like, the US has not signed up to international courts of human rights, uh, and, like, because pretty much all US presidents uh, and US secretaries of state would, you'd probably have a decent case of, you know, charging them with war crimes. Uh, but, uh, but, but specifically in this case, it's because her husband uh, recently committed suicide because Kay, although the uh, daughter of uh, the owner of the, the post, um, her dad didn't give her the paper. He gave it to her husband, who ran the paper for a very long time. And her husband recently committed suicide. The last few years, uh, maybe in the last five or ten years, her husband committed suicide. And Robert McNamara was kind of there for her the entire way through. Um, I think he was even their in-house lawyer for a long time. They can make a reference to it. Um, and uh, he helped her set up the board. He helped her bring on kind of investors and stuff. So he's a very, very close personal friend. Is the kind of the, the that's the tension set up here is that this guy was here for you at your lowest moment and it's now his lowest moment, but you know it's your responsibility as the publisher of the New York as a publisher of the Washington Post to go get us this paper. Uh, yeah. So she says, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, meanwhile, um, Bob Odenkirk basically used to work with this guy that we saw earlier. Um, the guy who's who's the leaker. Uh, and so he's trying to track him down, uh, although at this point, failing, uh, he will obviously uh, eventually find him. Um, but meanwhile, the Washington Post is like, look, let's get something. Can we get something? OK, cool. We've we've found something. Great. Let's let's run this. Oh, fuck. The New York Times already has it. Oh, wait, what's this? The, the the entire government is saying that the press can't run something. Oh, hello. And so we get the intrigue of the, uh, the the film. Basically, the government says to the New York Times, this is uh, top secret stuff. It is running stuff that is a threat to national security. You are not allowed to run any more of this. Uh, and so the wash. And so Tom Hanks goes, oh, what's that? 
the New York Times isn't allowed to run it. But uh, <laughs> but what's this? I appear to be the editor of the Washington Post. That, oh, by definition, is not the New York Times. Um, and so they're like, okay, cool. Can we can we get more? Um, can we get more details on this? Uh, uh, it's also at this time that so so like you said, here is the tension set up, right? Yeah. The U.S. government bans the New York Times of the guys who actually did the majority of the reporting on this case. Uh, yeah. In the New York uh, courts, uh, obviously Washington, but different. They they have a, a semi legal argument there. Kay is taking the thing public, and specifically within the wording of the public offering, it says that the bankers can decide to not buy the stock. Oh yes, or to kind of yeah, we should end the public this. offering. In the case of uh, not force uh, force majeure, okay, whatever it is, in the case of overwhelming, you know, overwhelming catastrophe, if the editor of the newsroom got hit by a truck or something, yeah, uh, and um, it is pretty much set up that if they were to publish this this could be viewed as uh one of those cases this could be yeah. viewed as a massive uh problem yeah. and, and and it's very specifically that the bankers have seven days seven days afterwards it's done no no they cannot go back on it but within seven days for, for some reason if there is a catastrophic event within seven days they're allowed to uh, go back on their investment but anytime after that it's fine it I, I, that's a weird law to me, but whatever. It's 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 the law. It's what we'll go down with. So, sure. Bob Odenkirk, uh, he ends up getting through to his source uh, through um, multiple phone calls. It's it's like he yeah. calls one person, and then they're like, "Okay, could you call this number and and quote this and whatever." Yeah. Um, and eventually, he meets up with uh, the journalist from earlier, and he meets nice. him in a motel, and and. <laughs> Not a journalist, not a journalist. Sorry, not a journalist, a guy. Okay, he's a guy. He worked for the US government. Uh, you know, he he was an observer in this um, and he basically gives him all the Pentagon papers. Yes, and he, yeah, he gives him, and he has them like laid out on the bed and it's, yeah. so, it's I think they say like 7,000 pages. It's so much paper. Um, and so Bob Odenkirk, uh, he, he very explicitly tells him like, look, I'm giving you this you are going to publish it, right? Ignoring what's going on in the New York Times, you're going to publish this. Um, and uh, and Bob Hancock goes, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Okay. Um, and so he gives Tom Hanks a call and he's like, I'm going to need two seats on the flight back to Washington. Uh, and he's like, why? And he's like, well, and then like, yeah, okay, let's go. Um, and so uh, everyone is flown into action. Um he they arrives all... back the next morning with all of the papers, sure. uh, and, and they all straight meet to Tom at Hanks' house. Yeah. All right, they're not going to the newsroom. Fuck the newsroom. All right, uh, look, it, it's as good as the West Wing. No, all right, they go to Tom Hanks' house. All right, yeah, uh, they get in all the kind of top guys. They get the kind of inner cartel of uh, journalists to come through and start looking through the papers because they want to publish something tomorrow. Yeah, uh, very keenly. But... Um, all of this paper, all of these papers, are not in order and don't have page numbers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because he had to cut off the thing that said um, top secret, which also happened to have where all the page numbers were. Yeah. And also he mixed them all up at some point for some reason. Uh, the night before, um, Tom Hanks went to Meryl Streep's house and he said, look, heads up, maybe illegal. We might have the propers. And uh, Meryl Streep is like, what? And he's like, yeah, just, just so you know. We may have the papers. 
Uh, and she's like, well, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. And he's like, you got to be comfortable with that. And th- th- at this point, I think they had their first conversation about the fact that uh, Tom Hanks was meant to be pretty good friends with Jack Kennedy. Uh, and he's saying, you're going easy on McNamara because you were, you were friends with Kennedy. You were friends with... Uh, Kennedy Eisen, uh, not Eisenhower. Who, who's the Kennedy? Ah, who knows? I'm not American. Yeah. Any, so. Um, but uh, basically, his point is like, look, the the thing we mentioned earlier, the press used to be friends with politicians, and that can't be the case anymore. The the politicians have clearly been lying to us for for years and years and years about about sending our own people to war. We need to be harsher on them, and you're protecting McNamara because he's your friend. Um. And yeah, so then they arrive at um, Tom Hanks' house. Uh, Jesse Plemons also arrives at this point. Um, uh, it's also, I think we've met her maybe once before, but it's where Sarah Paulson also mostly uh, appears in the film as she is playing Tom Hanks' wife. Um, but yeah, Jesse Plemons turns up and is, I didn't quite fully understand, but like a legal advisor, essentially. He's the in-house lawyer. So, is he so the in-house you- lawyer? Yeah, they're a newspaper, you know, when they have legal problems with that kind of thing, it's uh, Jesse's uh, responsibility to come in and make sure that everything is legal, make sure it's going to be okay, and if need be, defend it in court. Uh, yeah. They go, he goes, what's all this then? And they go, it's the Pentagon Papers. And he goes, let me call my boss. And uh, yeah. his boss shows but up. Meanwhile, they are, they are all combing through this, trying to... There's like scenes of them being like, has anyone seen anything about mentioning Eisenhower's speech in 1972? Oh, I've got that over here. Okay. And they're trying to piece together something that puts this in chronological order so they can make some sort of story out of it that they can put together. I think for not that day, but the day after they they are, they are. Is it the next? Is it? It's the, well, it's yeah. So obviously, the, the day they are on's paper has already been published. It is for the next day's paper. I think is that they yeah. want to get this out. So really, um, really quick. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're also. Oh, I, I can't believe you. I know. I, I understand it's a podcast, and people don't listen to three-hour podcasts about the post, Jamie. But very importantly, uh, not a little woman, but a girl is uh, Tom Hanks' daughter is uh, selling lemonade in one of my favorite bits of the film, where she's <laughs> she comes in and Tom goes. Tom Hanks goes, "How much is the lemonade you're selling?" She's like, "25 cents," and he goes, "Nah." That's 50 cents now. That's right. Gotta make some money off these hardworking journalists. Make sure yeah. the people who work for you pay you too, god damn it. To be fair, she uh, is great. I think one other uh, guy turns up to the house and goes like, what kind of lemon? Th-? Goes like, Sorry, that, no, that's her voice. He goes, hey, uh, hey, young girl, what's uh, what kind of lemonade? And then she went, the one with lemons in it. Um, she is she is very good. Oh, there's uh, also I a agree. great line where someone's like, she's like, I think it's the, the one female journalist is like, um, uh, hey, you got a, you got any vodka in that lemonade? And the five year old's like, I don't put vodka I don't put in my lemonade. No. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Um, no, there's there is some light tension relief with her, which is nice. Um, meanwhile, while they're doing all of that, um, Meryl Streep goes over to McNamara, uh, and and it's basically just like, oh come on, my guy. You you've been lying to everyone for so long. That was that was real shitty of you. Well, that I, real I she, sucks. I think she does a little bit firmer than that. Like she does say, like, yeah, well, yes, you let my, yes, Alex, you let my yes, son, she... you let my son go across. 
to... It's almost if I was doing it for comedic effect, Alex. Oh, that is true. <laughs> well, no, but, but, but Jamie, Jamie, the people are here. Everything we have said so far has not been for comedic effect. It has been a factual retelling of, uh, of, 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 of the story of the Post and Little Women. All right? That, it's, okay. it's very yes, factual. Yes, yeah, she, she very much gets no upset. Like, you, you let me send... Of course, my son is back now, but you let me send my son... Uh, to war um and mcnamara's like <laughs> yeah i got fucked up that's real bad in it um and meanwhile uh, tom hanks is meeting with um jesse plemons and zach woods i remembered his name zach woods the guy from the office and uh, silicon valley uh and they're like look can you absolutely guarantee that there is no in 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 your reading of these seven thousand pages in the next <laughs> 12 hours you can guarantee that there is no absolutely no risk to american um uh, sa- uh like american soldiers safety or uh safety of american defense uh and he's like yeah i'm pretty sure and they go are you sure and he goes, yeah no that was a lie um and they're like well yeah then you could be sued if if you do that then you will be sued He'll go to jail. Like he'll go to jail. Very specifically, the the threat is, and it is established here that like you will go, you'll be defying a court injunction, and you will go to jail. And they go, ah, screw it, freedom of the press, my man. And at this point, we kind of move into the 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 final stage of the film, sort of uh, where towards the beginning of it, uh, what is kind of set up is Bradley Whitford's like, we can't publish, we can't publish. And uh, Tom Hanks is like, yes, we can, baby, let's go, break uh, the law. And there are two things. Uh, one is that uh, they kind of ask Kay and they go, Kay, what are we going to do? Publish or not publish? And Kay is like, uh, I think we should publish. And they're like, and, okay. And, and very specifically, she does ask that um, advisor that we we mentioned earlier, the like key advisor. She asks him before she makes her decision. And he goes, look, I think there are arguments to both sides, but I don't think we should publish. So she yeah. goes against goes, her. Um, yeah, she... Yeah, I think we should publish. publish. And then uh, Bob Odenkirk is having a conversation with Jesse Plemons. uh, And Jesse Plemons is like, uh, please reveal your source. It would be really helpful. And he's like, I don't do that. I'm a journalist. I don't do that. I don't do that. And then Jesse Plemons is like, is it possible that this is the same source that the New York Times has? Because the government has said that we cannot go with this. Like, that this the information released by this source is is very specifically under injunction nothing more can be um uh released from it and therefore if you publish this it will be collusion and you will go to jail it is it is specifically that the new york times can't publish and that the agent who disseminated the information to the new york times is not allowed to publish so matthew reese matthew reese was not allowed to give anyone any more information and if they went to matthew reese and did it they couldn't so in theory if they had gotten it from another source they would have a stronger legal argument that, oh, well, your injunction was against the, these two entities and we operated with Entity 3. But in reality, they got those information from the same source as the New York Times and therefore it's not a great legal... Well, or they're suggesting it's not a great legal area. They don't yeah. have an easy defense rather than a defense they'd have to make that this is in the public interest and therefore the US government uh, shouldn't be listened to. Yeah. Um, um, they and go- so... They go uh, back to Mel Sheep's house. Mel Sheep is giving a kind of retirement party for someone. Uh, it turns... And then there's a good scene where... So just before this, sorry. There's a good scene where Sarah Paulson uh, is talking to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is like, I think I might be going to jail, but I'm cool because I'm Tom Hanks. And Sarah Paulson goes, you know, I think Mel Sheep's really brave. And Tom Hanks is going, well, I'm pretty brave too. 
And Sarah Paulson goes, well, sure, but, you know, you'd fucking like it if the US government shot you down. That would make you seem cooler in comparison. However, this woman is risking, you know, her family's company. She's risking her reputation. She's, you know, going to isolate herself from her friends. She's risking everything. Yeah. Uh, And that's brave. And this is then followed by a conversation between Meryl Streep and Alison Brie, where she sort of cements that this is this is uh, Meryl Streep's uh, Oscar nom uh, scene, uh, where she uh, gets very emotional, talking about the history of um, uh, of the paper and how when it was handed to her husband from her own father, she was just like, that was just how it always was. Like I, I, that, I, I that was completely normal. I expected that, you know us. But they they make a little joke about uh, oh, I can't remember. There's there's some fucking joke a reference they make to a joke that always goes around that's really sexist about um uh, about women uh, in high power positions. It's something like a woman preaching is like this like is you know listening to a woman preaching is like listening to a horse teach maths or something like that. Yeah, like something of that level of awfulness. And and she uh, just says, well, that was how it was, and that's what I was used to, and now I'm here, and I care so much about. Uh, uh, about the post but um then she is interrupted uh by tom hanks being like uh so we might go to jail that kind of sucks um it turns out we are uh, potentially breaking the law because uh, their source might be the same as our source uh we are running up against uh we are this is interspersed with the printers going to press they're getting ready to go to press and they're waiting for the final orders um everyone is round um and uh is basically like look if if we do this you are going to destroy the reputation of your paper the the bankers will pull out i've already bradley wetford is like look i've been on the phone to the bankers they're going to pull out if you do this uh and meryl streep has her her lovely speech which is basically like look when i pitched it to the bankers of course uh i did i did say about the profitability but didn't i also not say that some of the mantras of the paper or two other mantras of the paper were um to produce quality content and to hold those in power to account so some could argue if i don't publish i'm actually going against more mantras uh than i would be breaking break uh, i would be going against more mantras than i would be uh, holding to um and thus she uh, has her final moment of hurrah amongst this uh, group of men who are all uh, saying she should not go to print, uh, saying, let's do it, let's print. Um, and then she walks away. And yep. the paper goes to print. Uh, it obviously rocks the political world. Um, and they are taken to court. And we, we enter sort of the, the denouement of the film, um, where the New York Times and the Washington Post are both taken to court and then the Supreme Court, um, with various people making their uh, their arguments but uh, we get a very nice uh, little scene before the very end of this where um, Bob Odenkirk uh, basically comes up to Tom uh, Hanks and is like, I always wanted to be part of a revolution. Um, a small rebellion. There's a, small a, sm- rebellion. a small rebellion. Because um, he likes the little women and the small rebellions. Um, and, so small, uh, so little. What it becomes clear he has done is taken various different small parts of this, um, of the Pentagon Papers and taken them to every other uh, local paper he could possibly find and then the next day um, in violation of the court essentially uh, a whole slew of other uh, local papers and national papers run 
parts of the Pentagon Papers. You seem Wait, to be questioning this. That, that, that's what. Yeah, that's what happens. No, no, no. no. I, know, I know definitely they post it. I, I just don't yes, remember that, in the that, film him it, going to the papers to give them. The so, so no, that's that's the. At least that was my understanding of the implication. You remember, you remember when Bob Odenkirk comes to and says he's a little rebellion and he's got a a big box of papers. Uh, no, no, no. But, but I think that's just them in solidarity reposting the news that the post so the post hasn't stopped posting news every day yeah and i think it's just in so early in the this is set up early in the film right is like with the whole nixon wedding thing what tom hanks says is what we're going to do is we're going to go to um the other papers and ask them all to give us their notes and everyone goes why would they do that and he says because the only way to protect the right to uh, publish is to publish yeah and i think it's that they are doing the same thing now and they are reposting what the post is posting the post doesn't stop posting the news they continue to, to post about the, uh, the pentagon papers and these people are the next day reposting it and saying you know oh, this and this i don't think it's that he's going around to giving the news away to other people well then i don't understand what that scene about bob Odenkirk with uh because they are because in in posting the news the news the no 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 what already... what's what's in what's in the cardboard box that that Bob Odenkirk is carrying and showing to Tom Hanks. Oh no, it's 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 the other papers. It's, there, oh, it's, it's the, the other papers. The other's papers. Oh, okay, it's, yeah, it's... Mate. yeah, okay, that yeah, that that may well be true. Either way, the point is that the other papers are also flagrantly um, ignoring in the solidarity. courts uh, in yeah. solidarity and basically being like, look, if you're going to take uh, the New York Times and the Post to to the court, uh, then you're going to have to take all of us to court. Um, Meryl Streep turns up at uh, the court. She uh, gets met by somebody who works for the government uh, who just goes, hey, I know I work for the government, but you're pretty cool. Um, I think you're great. My my brother's over in uh, in Vietnam right now, and I hope you win. Okay, bye. I'm never going to turn up again. Um, and uh, thus, we get... The- I, love, I love the idea that you just hate the idea that some characters only show up for one scene. You're like, look, this character should be well-developed. She should have her own subplot. Why does she only show up the end to be like, Hashtag feminism. All right. What uh, is okay. this? Oh, oh, no. If you win, let's talk about hashtag feminism. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps the most ham fisted scene of this entire film. Um, Meryl Streep, uh, they turn up at the court, and there's a little thing between uh, the Post guys and the New York Times guys saying, hey, it's it's nice to to see you guys next to each other. Um, it's nice to be uh, defending the same rights. Um, they win the court case oh no well sorry we don't find out whether they get out of the court case and uh, the new york times starts speaking to the press uh and um tom hanks goes to may k whatever her name is hey we should um we should give our our speech and she's like no we'll leave it to those guys and then she walks through the crowd and boy howdy wouldn't wouldn't you know alexander she just so happens to walk through the entire portion of the crowd that's all women it's it's a real happenstance that one um but as as meryl streep wanders through uh she is uh stared upon by all these adoring women um <laughs> in in the most sapphic moment in this entire film um, <laughs> um uh yeah i we'll, we'll discuss that moment i think that moment is very ham-fisted but if this film wanted to make a uh, lovely moment about uh, feminism it is ruined two minutes later when uh the female reporter is on the phone and she's like hey guys everyone everyone gather together i'm getting i'm getting the, i'm getting the results hey okay okay so everyone here okay cool so go so the decision was uh okay so Six to three, and then just as she's about to announce probably the most important thing she will ever announce, some fat, balding white guy runs in the room and goes, We won! 
and completely ruins this. Probably the most important moment of this woman's career. I, I just really tickled me that moment. I don't know why they decided to do it in that way. Um, but yes, uh, ultimately they win the Supreme Court decision um, by six to three. And uh, the argument, the the final ruling of the judge is that uh, the press is there to uh, serve the governed, not the government. Um, and then we get uh, something that we haven't really touched on. Um, you might think, hey, Nixon is uh, kind of a big part of this whole thing, right? He surely appears in this film. Um, his back does. Um, there are many uh, shots in this film of uh, like like found footage of the White House, like like filming from the outside of the White House, it's, showing Nixon on the phone so to other people, uh, but may, facing away from the a, camera. This may be a Jamie and History thing. Have you heard of the Nixon tapes? Uh, y- yes, and these it are, kind of okay. These are these... verbatim reenactments of the. Oh, they Nixon are verbatim. Tape. I did not know. That. I, uh, I think they are at very least. I think some of them definitely are. I think some of them might be. Okay, well, I think the, the, the last one might the, be an invention. But um, yes, at the very uh, end, we get a um, yet another uh, apparent Nixon take. You know, take. I, I just thought maybe you could have just seen Nixon's face, but apparently not. Um, <laughs> and um, it is him talking, saying that the Washington Post are never going to see anyone um, in like he doesn't want to see a Washington Post uh, reporter in the White House ever again. Meanwhile. Uh, we have a security guard uh, entering into the uh, Democratic National Committee. We'll, uh, meanwhile, uh, someone on the phone says, uh, Hey, I think you're having a burglary at the Watergate Hotel. Setting up, Setting up which film, Jamie? The film, the film ends with the beginning of the film. All the President's Men. It is it, 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 okay. it directly, it directly ties into the opening of All the President's Men, which is about... Um, uh, Woodward and Bernstein uh, investigating uh, the Nixon White House uh, for the Washington Post. So okay. it's a prequel to the All the President's Men. It, it, when when you say that, do you mean it's actually a prequel or it's just like a yeah, spiritual Well, prequel? I mean, like as in like the end of this directly ties into the first scene of All the President's Men. So it, Deliberate, it, is, it is a very deliberately? deliberate homage to All the okay. President's Men. So it's all, uh, I'm going to imagine that All the President's Men is an older film. Okay, yes, it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know things, Alexander. So we're done with 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 the post. What 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 did you think about this, <laughs> Alexander? Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, before we get, yeah, there's no, no, you 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 go, you go, you you yeah, you, sure. you go, Alexander. You, look, you, you look, go ahead. It's it's this. Uh, I think I think you and I. Uh, I'm not going to anticipate what you think. I think you and I want different things from our movies. Well, I don't necessarily. I, I am okay with historical, uh, you know, fiction bleeding into films. Which uh, oh no no I, I, I don't I don't care about this film being potentially inaccurate. Like I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know so, I don't so know anything about the accuracy the, of it. The things I, th- I find flaws in this film are like the like choosing to do it about the Washington Post is interesting when most of the journalism was largely done by the New York Times. All that stuff is kind of interesting. I find I mean, it dramatically the, a good film. I really like it. Like it's, Yeah, it's I mean, I, the, the reason they focus on the Post is, I mean, it's what, what my girlfriend said, that's because that's where the human interest is. They found the human interest aspect of this, which is Meryl Streep's character being a woman in a male-dominated field. Yeah. They found the human interest and they wanted to tell that aspect, which means they focus on the Post. Sure. Um... Well, yes, but also in a film about, like, that may be the human interest and you're correct, but, like, the the central tension of the film is, it you know, about the press's right to publish. 
And like that's yeah. the that's that is the tension of the movie, which carries it through. That you're right, there's the human side to it, but that that bit is really in in actual history less importantly about the Washington Post and more importantly about the New York Times and the government yeah. uh, censoring and ultimately being uh, overturned in the Supreme Court, uh, the New York Times. So that that is the kind of um, the central bit of it. And that I really like it. I think it's a really good film. I really like Tom Hanks in this. I think he's great in this. I like Mel Streep. I think she's great in this. Um, I think. It's fun. It's like British Spies. It's, like you said, there's a lot of comic actors in it. And that's because the film walks a very fine line between, you know, this is drama and real stuff. And also, we want to tell this in an interesting way that will engage you in our country's history. It is very much one of Spielberg's, you know, like, uh, American history movies, similar to Bridge of Spies. Uh, you know, here's a, here is a film about, in which institutions, in which... Uh, like government institutions aren't inherently moral, uh, but that individuals looking to uphold central tenets important in American democracy uh, are the true moral voice of America. Um, and you know, I I like those films. I think it's it, it's good. Um, as always, don't watch a movie and assume it's gonna be real history. Um, but yeah, I like it. Um. So I. I think I agree with... Yes. Yes, I agree with you. I really enjoyed this film. Um, but... I think this is a good film by default. And what I mean by that is... Yeah. It's a film about what... It's a political thriller. About one of the... Like, one of the most intriguing political scandals of of American political history. It stars Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. It is directed by Steven Spielberg. It is it has a score by John Williams. Of course, it like it's it's done by the cinematography of the same guy that did the cinematography for Schindler's List. Of course this film is good. It is a good film because it was never not going to be a good film. Does that mean I didn't enjoy it? No. Does that mean it never surprised me? Yes. There was nothing about this film that ever... And, and I'm not even potentially saying that, that, all, that any of these people were phoning in their jobs. I think, I think the acting is superb by Meryl Streep. I think... Uh, the direction and the cinematography and the lighting, ex especially, I'll get onto that, um, is is really really good, and and the score is fantastic. No one is phoning in their job, but I think some of these people are suffering from success a little bit because, I, I as I say, I was just never surprised. I. I knew this film was going to be good, and it was about as good as I expected it to be. But I don't. I I think that's a look. I it's, this is a problem I have sometimes where like then I don't see the problem. Like if 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 the film is you expected to be good and it was good, that's a good film. Like I, yeah, you know no, what no, I mean? No, like no, I I I fully agree with you, and I, and I'm not like I, I don't I, I don't think that's suffering from success. It's it's definitely not one of Spielberg's best films. But it's a it's a well made film. Like if you you probably you haven't seen it, but a film like Tenet shows 
that great filmmakers and great cinematographers and all that can all very talented people can miss and they can miss fairly big and like it is you know sure like if a craftsman makes a he's a talented craftsman he's made a a, a good piece of craft it is not an amazing piece of craft is and you're right there's nothing in it which is like revelatory but it is a good story well told and i I don't i don't see the problem in that neither do i but i but it was still my immediate thought after the film i'm 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 fully not disagreeing with you i think the film is good i i really enjoyed the film in fact when you get to my rank i'm absolutely i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna give it a good rating but there was just something about it where i was like I don't know. I just, I think, it, it, I, I think, I think a key aspect of artistic enjoyment is surprise. I, I think. I strongly disagree. But carry on. Well, well, well what, what about artistic enjoyment? Like to be surprised is to be and ent- to to have something like, that you didn't expect happen is to be entertained. To have everything that you expect happened. To have everything that you expect happened. Is I, not necessarily bad, but it's not the best. No, I I really strongly disagree with you. Like the the idea one, like the basic concept of like dramatic I like tra- tragedy works because you know what's going to happen in a tragedy, right? Like it's it, it's not because you are you know you, you watch like Oedipus. You as we get into a lot of hours, got a bloody degree in English literature, but like tragedies expect some level of you know what's going to happen to these characters and you're seeing the thing play out anyway so like if you've uh, ever listened to Hades Town or if you've seen Hades Town Hades Town is very much about this right like it is about a th- a, the inevitable happening and you've seen some of those things so like I on a level I reject the idea that the only or like that surprise is innate and necessary for artistic enjoyment because I don't agree with that but, like, but I'm, think- I'm not I'm not saying that it's innate for artistic enjoyment because I still enjoyed this film but I would say that it is what transcends certain I, aspects of art, and even again, just, on things in that on things. That, that would suggest on, that I fully accept that many tragedies, sure. many tragedies do tell but you it how it's going to end. But would also suggest that the only time you will truly enjoy a film is the first time you watch it, because that would be the first time you are surprised. Like it is no, because I think there's things you can still be surprised by. I think surprise doesn't doesn't exclusively mean what is going to happen within a film. I could be surprised in this film by a particular moment that Tom Hanks portrays that I think, oh shit, that's that's something I haven't seen from him before. Or that's something that even though I knew but, but, no, generally... But, but if you then rewatch the film, you're saying that that would be less because you have seen like... You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying it has no, to be like a, a I, short because twist, I've but watched... I'm saying that those things like suggest that upon rewatch of a film, that like it will never be as good as the first time you watch it. Was I? I don't believe that. I, but, I, but I, I think... like watching films. But I think the only the only way the only way a film would be better would be better on multiple viewings is on things that you didn't notice the first time round. Thus, no, I, I, I no, no uh, I'm sorry. What what what? I I I I. Feel, I, I think there are films that you can watch multiple times and I've done that with The Social Network, for example. I've wa- I watched The Social Network a lot of times and why I enjoy watching it loads of times is because I see new things each time and there are things that I've forgotten about that that, that I'm like, oh my God, that was so amazing. But I, I don't think that is... I. But I don't think that is a innate quality of surprise in a piece of art so much as your reaction to a piece of art. Like, it's... 
you are putting a quality which is in you into the thing rather than what the quality inside the art itself is that the art is deep and that the art is you know has the opportunity for multiple levels of understanding but the surprise doesn't come from the piece of art the surprise comes from your reaction to that it is you gaining you have insight into this thing rather than the thing itself is designed that that is a surprise so i, I can appreciate and i i, I agree that i think a, a failing of this is that it is a fairly you know it's not a super deep movie like it's, it's it doesn't work on multiple levels it works on one or two levels pretty you know there is the base kind of feminist level of the film which is about k and then there is the the level of the film which is a, 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 a both of which are fairly straightforward retellings but i don't think that's necessarily in a uh, like i don't think that's necessarily a i don't think the surprise you're talking about is a quality of the art so much as art, like the quality in the art would be the depth of the art and it's a, therefore in you that generates surprise but but a but a person's reaction to a film is inherent to their criticism of it so the reaction you create from an audience is key to your inter- artistic integrity but, not no, integrity no, no, I, i'm perhaps sure. <laughs> integrity about, is perhaps a very strong about, word like, when you're talking about surprise is like appreciation for new aspects you have, you take away from a work right whereas what i'm searching is that there is no way to because that is so unique to the not even like um the mass viewer it is so unique to the individual viewer that that is not the that is not a quality inside of the work itself because everyone comes into it with his own unique because everyone comes into it with his own unique lens going in if you see what i mean so like yes, but a, you, fil- you... a film which provides more opportunity for that would be uh one which you would appreciate as as, as as within your description as having a lot of surprise but that in actually in actuality the quality of that within there is its potential for newness and that comes from depth that comes from um multiple layers subtext and a bunch of other qualities within it more so than it does from like an innate quality that people creating are like, well, we want there to be surprise in there. Yes, but my your your argument that mine is subjective. I think it is only fair to bring someone's previous works to like like no art is appreciated in a vacuum. So bringing the whole body of works that this group of people uh, that that have created throughout their their careers is fair to say therefore that nothing about this film was was surprising or was daring or was anything that you wouldn't expect from this high level of quality i, I to, to bring to bring a football sure, but, but, meta- but, but, to, wait wait no no to bring but, a football metaphor to this alexander because of course that's going to uh, really bring our audience back into their own reference points that they're fully going to understand and there's a there's a player called Lionel messi and uh he's a very good footballer and when he plays for barcelona uh, for many years, they have had uh, there's there's the term the man of the match, also known as uh, M O T M, uh, and many Barcelona players, uh, many Barcelona supporters, uh, have started to create a uh, new award, which is M O T M O T M, man of the match, other than Messi, because when you bring to uh, a match a someone's previous performances you create expectations and when you create expectations by your body of work you are therefore un- I, I will fully accept if someone had never seen any of any of 
had never heard of Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep or, or Steven Spielberg. They would have different expectations, but it is not unreasonable to have those expectations of these I, people. I, I, so my thing is this. I think we agree on like that. I agree. Like you, you come in and you bring kind of stuff. I think it's basically just your description of it as surprise that I take issue with. That like, I don't think those aspects, like what you, what you are saying is that you stacking this against the works of Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks and, um, and uh, Steven Spielberg, this doesn't rank in your kind of top half. There's nothing in there which you find uh, revelatory or indeed particularly unique about this film. And that if you were talking about the, the catalogue of Spielberg, for instance, this film would not warrant itself a, you know, a paragraph on its own, right? Like it, it is it is of a piece with the rest of the Spielberg stuff, but nor is it necessarily exemplary of that piece itself. It is it is a part of the body of work in a way which makes sense and, and is well done, but but exists within that. So it, it, it does not, as a someone who's seen Spielberg stuff, you would watch that and you went, cool, but but it's not necessarily revelatory. My, argue with, my argument is therefore, that doesn't mean like the film itself, my argument with that is basically the description of that as surprise. That like, um, more so than kind of uh, uh, like a, a, a series of other things. Well, but then, I, th I think we, I think we largely agree. Then, then, then I should have used a different word. But I no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, it was an interesting conversation. We had a good conversation about what you take away from something. I take away from something. Um, it's so cool. Other other things about this film, uh, as I said, cinematography, light lighting is great. Um, if if there was anything revelatory sorry i won't use the word surprise no 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 no, no. You, like you appreciated or you thought it was like good art like i don't know like you could use the word surprise if you want to use the word surprise i, I would use a different word but like you're more than you're absolutely more than welcome to use whatever word you want look i can't read i barely know words um one of the things i did in french all right give it a nice go uh, and little little que, uh, uh, particularly uh, was that um the lighting in the film um very much uh like symbolically represents the two worlds that Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks um exist in when you see Meryl Streep she is very much occluded she is constantly in like shadowy rooms and and uh rooms with like really interesting dynamic lighting uh, and that is contrasted with the lighting that Tom Hanks often exists in in his newsroom which is bright lights it's constant lighting it is constant the idea of revealing everything that's the world that tom hanks comes from whereas meryl street comes from a world where she is coming from the slightly older press where perhaps i'm reading too much into it but that was that was my reading um, of that use of I, the lighting is like tom hanks comes from this world of everything is brightly lit everything is brought to the forefront everything has to be reported and that's not the world that meryl street exists sure. in at the beginning of the film I would also say, just adding to that, that the specific design of the newsroom is meant to match the look of it. And I, th I think, at least in, not necessarily in his office, but in the kind of general uh, setting, is meant to match the look of the newsroom within uh, All the President's Men. So some of that stuff is um, taken, like, is paying stylistic homage to uh, the kind of precursor film. Um, and it's just no, an interesting, interestingly no, no, film in general. Really and and I got the, a music, the music. I still got a P, Jamie. You got a P? Oh, a whole grand day oh Jesus! Oh, let's 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 power through to the end of the film. We have talked oh. enough about this anyway. Um, despite everything I said, I'm going to give this a four. Um, I, I think this, as I said, I very no, much I enjoyed this film. This is a, there. There is nothing inherently wrong with no. this statement, but this is a good film by default. 
of course this was going to be a good film and so it's a good film and will i will i put it up there with if 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 i wanted someone to watch a tom hanks film and they'd never heard of tom hanks i might recommend it early on because i think it's a very good film but i wouldn't want them to watch it after watching a whole bunch of other tom hanks and steven spielberg films i what i would what i would pretty much say is like I would take your by default thing and I would change it to like the film is neither more than the sum of its parts nor is it less than the sum of its parts it is the sum of its parts yeah like it is putting all these very talented people together has not although it had the potential to has not created something more than uh, themselves and instead it, it is entirely in and of itself it is it is you're right it, it is uh, equal to the sum of its parts yeah um, which is um, a good we, thing it's, but it's not the best of yeah. any of their work uh, we um, we didn't even we 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 plowed into our uh, very deep discussion about uh, the artistic worth of this film um, without uh, explaining to our new listeners who have somehow survived through uh, an hour and a half of this. Um, in that we rate these films on three different categories. We of course rate the Tom Hanks film out of five. Um, we rate Tom Hanks's performance out of five, and then we give the Tom Hanks dick meter. How much of a dick was Tom Hanks's character in this film? And then we decide whether it goes in the Hanks Bank, the collection of TV shows and movies we're going to show to the aliens to prove our worth to, junior, to join the United States for space. God, I haven't said that for a while. Um, what? What? So, did you end up giving it four as well? Four. Yeah, four. I think it's um, good. I really like it. It's uh, you know, I, I think I prefer Bridge of Spies as a Tom Hanks film just because he's in yes. Port, but like, yeah, Tom I would Hanks absolutely. I would. I would prefer Bridge of Spies. He is sexier in this film, and I would still absolutely recommend anyone to watch yeah. this film. I think it's a very good it. film. Um, Tom Hanks's performance. Uh, we've discussed this. Uh, perhaps three films ago with sully um and and with captain phillips uh that tom hanks clearly since he turned around 50 uh or maybe 55 has been gunning for an oscar he really wants to and and the the, the tom hanks thirst meter yes it's the tom hanks how thirsty is he and he's he's how thirsty is tom hanks in this film oh he is a strong 4.5 thirsty in this film he knew political thriller i'm fucking spielberg me and him back together i'm alongside meryl streep and you know what he forgot alexander that he was alongside meryl streep because she got the fucking nomination in this film for the oscar interestingly he got the nomination for the golden globe but didn't get it for the oscar because he was replaced by daniel kaluuya uh for get out uh, which we uh, mentioned previously um Uh, all the other nominations were the same. I believe it was Timothy Chalamet uh, for whatever that film he was in. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, I think. Um, He's not been nominated for another film, has he? It must be Call Me By Your Name. I don't think so. Um, And then um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Uh, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington in something else. And then, oh my god! And then uh, Gary Oldman in in the Darkest Hour. Um, So yeah, Tom Tom Hanks uh, got nominated for the Golden Globe, but didn't get nominated for the Oscar. I think a big reason why he didn't get nominated for the Oscar, other than the fact that Daniel Kaluuya definitely deserved that nomination over him, was that uh, he was acting on side alongside uh, Meryl Streep. And while he does a very good job in this role, Meryl Streep is clearly the the big focus, the absolute fantastic standout performance so i'm going to give him a four mostly uh, it was maybe going to be a 3.5 but i bumped it up to a four for his gruff voice in his boston accent alexander okay what are you going to give him i still gotta pee i give it a four it's not you know it's a good performance i like it more than sully i like it less than a hologram for the king 
right. Okay. We're then okay. moving on to the Tom Hanks dick meter. Yeah, uh, much like much like your your pee, penis, which so is filling filling with urine. You're giving him a four? <laughs> yeah. Please, I know you don't have long, but please please justify that. Uh, well, one, he made me really guts to pee, and that's dick. <laughs> Two, he respects the little women, but not enough. You know, <laughs> be less shitty to your boss. All right, I know she put your finger in her finger in your eye, but be less of a dick. He's less sexist than the other people, so the other people were like a ten. So he's a four. Okay, on the five I'm, point scale. I'm only going to give him one. I think he's a very good man who's trying to protect the journalistic integrity of oh, um, uh, of of the United States and and defending things that are right and honourable. Oh, but also, um, I think it's kind of a dick move that he is just happy to be like, "Hey, Meryl Streep, go to jail for me." Um, so I think that's kind of a dick move. So I'll give him a one. Um, Alexander, is this guy in the Hanks Bank? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my Hanks Bank, I like it. It's fun. It was a very timely movie when it came out. I saw it with my dad. My dad didn't like it. Uh, but you know, he's a he's a. Oh, Be careful, your mum listens to this. <laughs> does she? Uh, no, he, he's lovely, but it's he also he like he, look. He listens to a lot of film podcasts and he likes to be poncy about Spielberg. All right, uh, and you know what? I'm just a little troll living in a cave, and I I, I love. I, I was gonna call my dad a fascist, and he's not a fascist. That was a weird thing. I was like, I was, just, I was trying to think of another word, and I was gonna be like fascist, and I was like, my dad's not a fascist anyway. Uh, but yeah, it goes in. I like it. Uh, good memories. It, was, it came out at a very good time. I, I turned the cinemas when it came out. Um, a very timely piece for 2017. Well made. Uh, tells a good story well, um, if not revelatory. And yeah, I, I think it's definitely like one of the, the funner pieces of Tom Hanks' back catalogue. So it goes in. What about you, Jamie? So, um, look, objectively... There are absolutely worst film, worse films than this in my Hanks Bank. You mean Famously, nothing in common is in my Hanks Bank. <laughs> that one episode of Happy Days is in my Hanks Bank. Joe versus the volcano is in my Hanks Bank. Oh dear God. So, realistically, I can't not put this in my Hanks Bank. It is going in my Hanks Bank. Oh, but I would like to say that despite despite punchline uh no not punchline um fuck what was what was that film what was that what was that racist film no, uh, oh volunteers volunteers despite volunteers at one time being in my hanks bank which i do regret and it is no longer in my hanks bank despite that i think this is the most unhappy i've been with putting something in my hanks this bank Purely because, purely because I Are knew you it. Sitting there and telling me you'd rather rewatch Volunteers than rewatch. The no, first. no, of course not. Of course not, Alexander. Of course not. And you know what? Hologram for a King is in your fucking Hanks Bank. I so, love Hol- so- I would happily rewatch Hologram <laughs> for the King. It's a bonkers film. But it provides I, new but- layers upon each rewatch. If before going into this, I was fairly sure this was going to go in my Hanks Bank, I'm very disappointed to learn that it goes in my Hanks Bank because it was like, yeah, no, exactly, exactly as I expected it to be. And and sometimes when something exactly meets your expectations, it is slightly disappointing. And I would say that it's probably a metaphor for this podcast. (laughs) 
And so, Alexander, we, of course, do not need to provide something to present to the aliens this week because we have both decided that the post is going to go in our Hanks Bank and us and all the little baby Yodas are going to get together and watch this lovely political thriller. Um, and so we, we it, all that is left for us to say is, Alexander, what can our dear listeners do? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to really, really, really have to pee. So you run out onto the street and you steal people's phones and you really got to pee. So you're running around and you've got all these phones. You're like, shit, I'm going to have to pee in the street. So you're going to pee in the street. But while you do so, you're going to download every episode of Hank's Bank and you're not. You're going to give people their phones back. Stealing's bad, guys. Remember that stealing is bad. That's just peeing in the street. So maybe you just pee yourself. Is that better? Who knows? Um, Just download episodes of the Hank's Bank. I, of course, would really recommend uh, British Spice, which is uh, another one made by uh, Tom Max and Steven Spielberg. Go back and listen to obviously catch me if you can or if not jamie's film that he's ever watched in hank's bank and the film he'd always rather rewatch uh than the post and he was much more happy putting it in there uh which of course is the terminal uh during the airplanes and airports guys oh what a fun time what a fun time gotta um, love it gotta love it right oh, alexander to <laughs> to save save us time because you're gonna have to run away as soon as we finish recording uh please remember to send me over your audio email it to me please do it tonight because this has to come out in two days so for me jamie and my co-host Al, that's one more app in the bank oh shit i peed myself <laughs> oopsie the women they are so little as is your bladder hands back